Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 The Answer. You've got Carl Kimball from Chanel Insurance filling in for Dave. Here with my sidekick, Paul Calvert, Old Testament prophet, voice of morality, and all-around great American. Glad to be with you today, Paul. Well, thanks for having me. Sad to say, we were hoping that Dave would be back with us today, but unfortunately, the lengthy negotiations taking place at the Fortress of Solitude have been extended as Dave is continuing to argue it out over Kim Jong-un, whether or not we can get the uh, last of his missiles thrown into the bargain. But we're hopeful that world peace will break out by the time Dave gets back. Looks like probably early next week. But in the meantime, you're going to put up with us. We're glad to be here, glad to be having the honor of sitting in for the number one talk show host in the Little Rock area. And we would welcome your calls. Paul, remind them the number if anybody wants to call in today. It's 501-823-0965. Thank you, and we'd be glad to talk to you. We're going to be talking about current events, news of the day, of course, impeachment's big on everybody's mind because they're hard at it trying to find a way to undo the 2016 election because, gosh, Democrats didn't win. It can't possibly have been fair. We've got to undo this right away something must be done who in their right mind wouldn't vote for a socialist well you know that's kind of the attitude i think you know i mean i mean now the question isn't whether you'd vote for a socialist it's like you know how big can you go and which which all out socialist which color socialist which which version well you know pink has fallen out of favor now the merely pink ones are not being looked on very kindly yeah so so it's it, it does almost seem to be that way is that that um it's not about liberty or or tyranny it's uh, what level of tyranny do you want well you know we're so incredibly fortunate in this country we were born with such a, a magnificent store of freedom granted to us by our founding fathers that even the foolishness of recent generations hasn't squandered at all but we're making a we're making a job of it. I've got to say, you've you've got to, I think, have appreciation for the fact that this country was founded on the idea of individual liberty. The whole philosophy of socialism is based on negating individual liberty. The the concept of socialism, whether you think it's a great idea or a horrible one, the very concept of it, the basis that it's that it's founded upon is virtually the opposite of the principles on which our country was founded and the ethos of the American people. We had a wonderful Veterans Day yesterday in which we uh, celebrated many of the great heroes of the past who helped preserve our freedoms and give us the country that we have today. You've got to wonder, if you've got a country with socialism, are you going to come up with Doolittle Raiders or with the Rangers that Storm Point de Hoc? Those people were people that grew up in a culture that was dedicated to freedom and individual liberty. They didn't have the attitude that you've got to let somebody else do it. It's someone else's (laughs) 
job. They were Americans who were used to when a job needed to be done, they'd step up and do it because that's how a free society worked. You had to have the voluntary participation of people who were independent but who were willing to to sacrifice for the greater good. Well, and I I think that the uh, the fact is that rugged individualists just make for all around better more reliable people and that when i think back around the turn of the last century uh, um when you had world war one coming in and then and then about 20 or 30 years later you had world war ii then we had, we had a lot of americans who were still very independent and very capable oh yes. individuals today you know so where will we find the Sergeant Yorks or the Audie Murphys in our society today? I don't know. I mean, but, but we've just got a, a serious crop of crazy people. Um, let me read a little bit from Walter Williams here. This was from yesterday. One of my favorite so, people. So in a recent survey conducted by the Victims of Communism and polled by YouGov, a research and data firm found that 70% of millennials are likely to vote socialist and that one in three millennials saw communism as favorable. Now, that is an example of horrible miseducation. And, and just think, millennials are coming online as the biggest voting bloc. I don't know where they're polling at, but I don't think they're polling in Arkansas. I don't think you're uh, on no, there, R.D. Well, welcome, welcome R.D. Hopper to the panel. Thanks for showing up, R.D. We're always glad to see you. Sorry I'm late, but you know, I don't know right. where they're polling at. But my son last year was a member of the ROTC program in Cabot High School, mm-hmm. and the Cabot would host an ROTC uh, events where they would go, show up and do marching competitions and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I saw thousands of ROTC participants from all over the state of Arkansas filling up the gymnasium and saluting the flag and posting the colors and doing doing all the things so you know don't believe everything you see on television and all these polls sometimes they're polling the wrong people but uh i still i still have hope and uh if you get in your schools you're going to find out there's there's some knuckleheads just like there was when (laughs) i was in whenever we were in school or at least until uh, we left in cabot arkansas they've got an excellent rotc program and a bunch of fine young men and women that are anxious to serve their country. Thanks thanks for giving that perspective, R.D. And and Arkansas is not San Francisco. You got that right. You'll find a different attitude towards those things in Arkansas than you will in in a lot of those quarters of the country that went overwhelmingly for Hillary Clinton in the last election. Um, I think that's that's true. I think the, the, the giant population centers are more prone to support socialism. Unfortunately, these and there's a lot of those guys, and, and, and they think the electoral college should be abolished and all those masses living in New York and California should be able to essentially dominate the political landscape and smaller population, more rural states like Arkansas should just shut up and do what they're told by our elite betters on the coast. Well, and, and unfortunately, a lot of times, even conservatives kind of reinforce that notion that, well, the majority voted for it, therefore it's good or it's acceptable. I'm sorry, that's hogwash. Yeah, well, two burglars break into your home and start to walk out with your TV set, and you come in and stop them, and they say, well, let's take a vote. Right. 
You right. Know. That's that, that's it's insane. The, the fact is that, that morals exist and principles exist, and majorities don't justify taking those principles away. And and the, the notion of government in a free society is is to protect the individual from harm. And the 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 idea that oh we're just gonna have we're gonna have a fifty percent vote of those who show up, and we're gonna take away any rights that you have, regardless and, and, and of and what that's you the scary think. thing is half the population. Will show up to vote. Half the voting or population will show up, and then uh, forty-five to forty-eight percent of those will be enough to get Elect. a guy over the top. So you've got a guy that's that's been voted on by less than twenty-five percent. Yeah, less than twenty-five percent of the eligible voters have voted for a guy, and he gets in and says, "Well, now I've been mandated to yeah. fundamentally change the United States of America forever." Well, he's got a minority and, of the population. And, 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 and yet, if it goes the other way, it's, oh, my gosh, you know, this is a travesty against socialism. We must undo this, this injustice right away. Get the impeachment files out. Well, and they started trying to impeach this guy 20 minutes into his presidency. So, and they'd already been working on this whole, this whole farce uh, that was the Steele dossier and the efforts by the National Security Advisor and the FBI and the CIA working behind the scenes to get rid of them. That was going on even before the election, between the election and the inauguration. And then after the inauguration, Comey essentially maneuvered the situation to get Mueller appointed. They had this two years of Mueller that was based entirely on lies and farce. And now that that fell through, so now they find something else. Well, that, that's from what I hear about that Steele dossier thing. It's it, it it's just mind boggling that that somebody is not in prison over that. Well, you know, it was. Any time you want to know what the Democrats are doing, is look what, what they're, they're accusing accused. the Republicans of. You know, in in the last good old fashioned in, pro- projection. Yeah, in, in in the debates, they asked Trump, "Would you accept the results of the election?" Back when they were saying, "Oh, there's a ninety six percent chance it's going to be Hillary," and said, "Trump, are you going to accept the results of the election?" And we said, "Well, we'll see what happens first. And they said, "Oh, <laughs> he's trying to undermine our democracy by not accepting the results of the election." Well, here we are, three years later. And the Democrats still hadn't accepted the results of the 2016 election. Well, but the, the, and, I, the, the, the notion, though, of this socialist ideology is that the people are not smart enough to rule their own lives. Exactly. Therefore, we must rule, them, rule their lives for them. So why should it be any surprise that the party of socialism would su- you know the, su- suggest that, well, this, the, the people just didn't know what they're doing? The 10th Amendment's been torn down just hmm. about. No, the 10th Amendment... Pretty has totally been shredded ignored. up and thrown yeah. out the window. And well, if, our government is trying to protect us from ourselves at all times. If, but, if, the, if the Tenth Amendment had been followed, welfare would not be a federal issue. Education would not be a federal issue. Medicine would not be a federal right. issue. You could balance the budget just by making the federal government follow the Tenth Amendment. That's exactly but right. But getting back to what we were talking about before about making other accusations, you know, they accused Trump 
of colluding with Russia for three years almost. They accused him of colluding with Russia. What started it? Hillary Clinton colluding with Russia. Hillary Clinton hiring a British spy through a couple of cutouts, of course. But she hires a British spy to use his Russian connections to make up dirt on Trump. And then they spend the next three years almost talking about Trump colluding with the Russians. When It was Hillary that colluded with the Russians to begin with. And now they're accusing Trump of being involved in this corrupt deal with Ukraine when the whole thing came out of the fact that in Ukraine they were paying Biden's family vast sums of money, and Biden himself was bragging about going in there and telling the Ukrainians they were going to hold up a billion dollars worth of aid to him unless they fired the guy that was threatening to to bring action against the company that was paying off his son massive amounts of what couldn't be anything but political payoffs, because Hunter Biden could not have had anything to contribute to a uranium oil company, certainly not that would make them worth 50, 60 grand a month. So that's, that's, to me, that's the biggest story in their current impeachment is not, you know, what did Trump say and what was Trump trying to do, but how come it's an impeachable offense to try and root out Democrat corruption? The big deal ought to be why was Hunter Biden getting all this money? Why was, was Joe Biden flying around to China, to the Ukraine, getting these huge, enormously profitable sweetheart deals set up for his worthless son that made him huge fortunes while he was going around throwing his weight around to protect the kid. Now, to me, the anything that Trump said on a phone call is just paltry, small beans compared to that. What do you think, R.D.? Well, what would happen if Trump's son was getting... 50000 or $100,000 a month from Ukraine. What would happen if you just put the shoe on the other foot? To well, where... hey, you can tell that. <laughs> Trump's son-in-law has been working for zero salary trying to bring peace in the Middle East, and that's got to be a fool's errand if you ask me, because that's one of those things that's never going to happen, no matter the virtue or intelligence of the people trying to do it. But he's been working without a salary. Trump's been working without a salary. His daughter's been working without a salary. You know, And they want to say, well, hey, you know, he made a few bucks on some hotel rentals. Oh, gee whiz. That's, I'm going to make up for the expense of running for president, I'm sure. Um, but but if, if he'd done half of what Biden had done... Or if he'd done half of what Hillary Clinton was was done, then uh, they would already have him in prison right now. It's just that too many times the Republicans are uh, too slow to try to do the same. Okay, we need to make some money so we can afford to pay Dave's ransom and get him back from wherever they're holding him up there. Uh, We'll be back just in a few. Thanks for being with us this afternoon. Carl Kimball on for Dave Ellswick on the Dave Ellswick Show. Proud to have Paul Calvert and R.D. Hopper here with me. And uh, we've been talking about the uh, all the excitement of the, the month here, the attempt to have a coup and overthrow the government, replace the president. Of course, they're just going to end up stuck with Pence, but they won't even end up stuck with Pence. They'll never get him convicted, and they know they'll never get him convicted. This is actually just an attempt to damage him so that they can beat him in 2020. Would you Would you agree no with doubt. that? I, I think it might be. I, I think it is possible that that they really just don't have a good plan for winning the election without, without um, um, somehow kicking Trump in the shins first. It, it, 
It takes a supermajority in the Senate for him to be convicted. Now, he's going to lose Mitt Romney. He's probably going to lose Lisa Murkowski. They've got to get 18 more Republicans 18 besides more Republican, those two. So they're not getting rid of Trump. This is all about the election and mm-hmm. mudslinging and trying to make the Republicans look bad. And uh, I think they're damaging, damaging themselves every time that They've tried to impeach the president, and it's always hurt them in the polls. So, I well, they're yeah. definitely shooting the dice because there's more. I think it's more likely that they look like unpatriotic bunch of 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 whistleblowing uh, babies <laughs> that over nothing, especially when this is their third attempt. Their th- this is their third run on the hill, and they haven't gotten anything done yet. Yeah, so, uh, depending I think on how you count it, at least third, at least the th- yeah. So uh, I believe that it's going to end up damaging the Democrats and make them look like that that this is their only hope for winning the election. And I believe it is their only hope for winning the election with the people that they've got running right now. Well, you know, the after this, even if even if they had the Senate trial and the Senate trial made utter fools of every witness that the Democrats brought up, their case was just completely slapped down and say the I know it wouldn't happen this way, but even if the the Senate exonerated Trump by a vote of 98 to nothing, they would still be calling him impeached President Donald Trump for the rest of his life. And all the news media would refer to him as impeached President well, Donald Trump. And, and they would talk about it. And, and that, that's all part of the 2020 strategy because, like that one Democrat congressman said, we can't beat him unless we impeach him. Hmm. They don't do that with Bill Clinton, you know. Have you ever heard Bill Clinton? Impeach President Impeach Bill Clinton. Impeach President Bill Clinton. You ever heard him announce that well, that's, way? That's different. He's a Democrat. Exactly. they got different rules, don't they? Yeah, they do indeed. Well, uh, it, you look at it historically. Andrew Johnson was impeached, but he was found not guilty by the Senate. And then he didn't run for a second term. Of course, he hadn't really been elected as president in the first term. He'd been Lincoln's vice president. And that was over a dispute about the uh, that was over a dispute about the president's uh, powers of appointment. The Congress tried to make it so that the president could not dismiss cabinet members. Well, that's ridiculous. Every president <laughs> has always had full power to to appoint and to dismiss any cabinet member. And so, you know, that was ridiculous in a way. It was unconstitutional, probably, the so law that, was they, that he violated. But it's a political act. And so because he tried to fire Secretary of War, that was part of the cabal that was trying to limit his powers. And then they impeached him over that and failed to convict him. Mm-hmm. But uh, he still didn't run for another so, term. D- during that period of time... I'm trying to remember when it. I don't remember. I don't know when it, it was happened. 1867, but, I think it was. No, 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 I'm familiar with with the time of that, but at some point, when we, when we were electing presidents, we went from basically electing the, the top vote getter to a presidency and the second vote getter to vice president. No, that when was did that change. Oh, that changed in 1804. 1804. Okay. Yeah, that because that that was really an issue really, really only soon. in the 1800 election is really the only one and and the 1796 election you'd end up with president and vice president 
of different parties, which was awkward. Mm-hmm. But it was the 1800 election where you ended up with the two candidates for the same party, ended up tied, and so they had to be decided in the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. And then they changed it so that the vice president was voted on separately okay. from 1804 on. Okay. But you had your first impeachment uh, in uh, 1867. There was not another one until almost one in, in 1974. And uh, we'll talk about that when we come back from the bottom of the hour break and kind of compare the different historical uh, uh, aspects of the four times in which attempts at impeachment had been made. You're listening to The Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM. We're delighted to have you with us, and we'll look forward to talking with you after the bottom of the hour break. Oh, baby, it's cold outside. (laughs) Oh, Doggone that global warming anyway. If only Al Gore had been just a little bit right, my tootsies wouldn't be so cold. Well, you're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show here on 101.1 FM. Sorry that Dave's not here. The show'd be a lot better if he was, no doubt about it. But luckily enough, we do still have his usual Tuesday panel. Paul Calvert, R.D. Hopper, here with Carl Kimball sitting in for Dave. We're looking forward to his return, which looks like is probably going to be around Monday next week. And uh, we're going to have some best of Dave tomorrow, and I'll be back on Thursday. And I think Robert Steinbach's going to be in at the end of the week. So that'll be a treat for those of his many fans. And we're here uh, listening to the radio with you and talking about impeachment and talking Mm -hmm. about current events. If you want to put in your two cents worth, we'd be glad to hear from you. 823-0965. Did I get it right that time, Paul? 501-823-0965. Yes, you did. Give us a call. We'd be glad to hear from you as well. And uh, let's see, we were in the middle of talking about the history of impeachment. So you had Andrew Johnson got impeached in the 1860s because those radical Republicans that uh, had been involved in Reconstruction, didn't like the approach he was taking and decided they were going to throttle him back in mm-hmm. ways that were probably unconstitutional, and he fought with them. And he, he won by one vote. He avoided, oh, wow. He avoided being mm-hmm. kicked out of office in the Senate by one vote, and then he didn't run for a second term. Uh, there was not another impeachment attempt even until – uh, my youthful years in the 1970s when Richard Nixon's oh, really? did wrongdoings. It go, did it really go over 100 years? Yes, yes. They went about 105 years wow. between impeachment attempts. The second impeachment attempt was uh, that of Richard Nixon, who, of course, his minions had been caught in clearly illegal activities. But it was when Nixon himself was personally tied in to covering up the misdeeds of those men. I mean, if he just said, oh, those guys did it. They were absolutely wrong. I'm throwing them to the wolves. Here, prosecute them. Throw them in jail. They did evil stuff. I disavow them. If he'd done that from go, he would have finished out his second term. So if I understand that correctly, and I don't don't know a whole lot about the the, um, Nixon issue, but so they were accusing some of those people of, Intercepting phone conversations, some well, kind of illegal phone taps. Is that what's going on? Well, <laughs> no. Actually, what happened was originally, some, the, under the direction of the attorney general, who was also the head of Creep. Creep was committee to reelect the president, okay. and the head Creep was John Mitchell, who was also the attorney general, longtime friend of Nixon's, mm-hmm. and and the Creeps had hired 
a bunch of guys they called plumbers, but who were actually political operatives and crooks and mercenaries. Mm-hmm. And, and they broke into the Democratic National uh, Committee's headquarters in the Watergate Hotel. Now, it, it makes it's an interesting and, and, and convoluted story many years later. Gordon Liddy claimed that the whole thing was done in order to try and get dirty pictures of of uh, John Dean's wife out of circulation. I, I don't know about that, but but for whatever reason, the creeps that were trying to get Nixon reelected hired a bunch of thugs to break into the Democratic National Committee headquarters, and they got caught. Mm. And uh, it was not the crime; it was the cover up that did Nixon in. Nixon was not personally involved in it. And as far as anyone knows, Nixon didn't even know that was going his on. minions were going to be breaking into Democratic National uh, Committee headquarters and, and rifling through it, looking for whatever they were looking for, whether it was dirt on the candidates or dirty pictures of John Dean's wife that someone was using for blackmail against him, as Gordon Liddy alleged. But for whatever reason, you know, Nixon didn't know about it. But when they found out that Nixon's men were involved in it, then Nixon and his top aides, Ehrlichman and Haldeman, and and John Dean began to be involved in this plot to try and cover it up. Mm. And it was the cover-up of the criminal activity that Nixon didn't know anything about. And if he'd just disavowed and thrown those guys to the wolves, Mm. it would have probably all been over. He wanted a landslide anyway. This happened about three months, four months before the election, and he won like a 48-state landslide. Oh, wow. And, and, and the, the break into Democratic headquarters was known when that happened. Mm-hmm. What wasn't known until later was that Nixon subsequently, personally, was involved in trying to cover that crime up. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was going to be impeached for. And when Barry Goldwater and some of the other leading Republican senators came to Nixon and said, look, you're going to get impeached, and when it goes to the Senate, there aren't enough Republicans going to stick with you to keep you in office. You know, if What you did was wrong. If it goes to the Senate trial, even I'm going to vote against you. <laughs> you need to save the country from this embarrassment and resign. And so Nixon resigned because Republicans went to him and said, what you did was wrong. We can't support you. If it goes to trial in the Senate, we're going to vote against you, and you're going to be kicked out of office. Just spare us all this and go ahead and resign, mm-hmm. and he did. And so there was no impeachment, but they were about to impeach. And that's the only time a president has ever left office because of impeachment was during the one time that there was no impeachment <laughs> because he left before the impeachment took place. So because because the Republicans, unlike Democrats, will stand by their president no matter how bad the depths of his criminality or no matter how blatant and obvious the wrongdoing he was involved in, Democrats will stick with him thick and thin. But when the but it, Republican president was found out to have been a scurrilous, law-breaking bad guy, the senators from the Republican side went over and said, look, we're not sticking with you. You may as well resign because we'd vote against you. That's a pretty big difference right there. But, but is, there any, is there any crime that the Democrat Party is really solidly opposed to? Um, maybe there's a few yeah, here Yeah, Republicans there. winning elections. Oh, That's well, the only crime well, there's, that I— There's, there's can, that one, and maybe being mean to okay, dogs. So, okay, so for, for impeachment or impeachment-like incidents in all of American history, in the 1860s, Andrew Johnson impeached— 
holds on to office by one vote, doesn't run for re-election. Uh, Nixon wins re-election overwhelmingly, and then because he's about to get impeached, resigns. And then you have Clinton in 98. He was impeached. Who was impeached because he was found to have committed crimes, and they went to the Senate, and the senators all took their little commemorative pins that they were given that said, I voted in the impeachment of Bill Clinton. (laughs) And they signed onto a ledger swearing that they would do impartial justice in the case of Richard Nixon. I mean, in the case of Freudian slip, in the case of Bill Clinton. And and most of them lied because, you know, even the Republicans, they, they, they would rather protect their phony baloney jobs than they would do what was right by the country. Tim Hutchinson, it's easier to understand now our then-Senator Tim Hutchinson voting not to impeach the president. Turns out he was having an extramarital affair mm-hmm. while in Washington at the same time. And, of course, the the impeachment wasn't about the extramarital affair. It was about the criminality in the cover-up of the extramarital affair, including suborning perjury, uh, obstructing justice, Things that that he lost his law license over because they were actual crimes of which he was adjudicated guilty in uh, various proceedings in spite of the fact that the Senate failed to convict him and throw him out of office. As uh, a former senator from Arkansas, uh, Dale Bumpers, then said in his eloquent defense speech of Bill Clinton, it's only two years. What harm can he do? (laughs) Well— Leaving that aside for a moment, now we're on the fourth impeachment. This is the first time a president's been impeached in his first term other than than the Andrew Johnson, who only served one. And uh, it's it's different in that you're not talking about a president who's been overwhelmingly reelected the way Nixon or Clinton had, but a president still in his first term that they're trying to wound before breaking for the second term. So there's a capsule 10-minute history of impeachment yeah, in the United the, States. And, and, the, and the main thing is, you know, we haven't seen anything. This is, like I said, counting, if you count count it different ways, this is at least the third time that they've tried to come up with something that what they would see as an impeachable offense mm-hmm. the third time. But as long as the Republicans stick together and, and as long as they support the president, then uh, – I don't see them being successful unless they fi- actually find something, but they've not they've not found anything in the last two years, so uh, I don't think yeah. they're going to find anything. Frankly, I want to see whoever the president is. I want to see him coming down like a ton of bricks on anybody who's getting massive payouts from foreign governments. Uh, I mean, the Clintons, the Bidens, the Obamas have all got. Tons of money from foreign governments go pouring in for their personal use that, you know, we can't call them bribes, but did they affect their foreign policy? Well, we I'd have, rather see the president coming down on that than worry about what was in a speech, or a phone call. Well, we had a senator here in Arkansas that got $900,000 reported, what was reported in the paper over five years from three different Medicaid providers in the state of Arkansas. Yeah, but the another nine, Hutchinson we talking about now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, of the $900,000 that he got for legal fees. That's the son of the guy that voted to acquit Clinton because he was having an affair at the same time. Exactly. You yeah. know, 
Doesn't fall far from the tree, does it? (laughs) It's part of the deep state. I believe that all of them are part of the deep state. Did you hear, you know, I think that Paul was here. I don't remember if you were here at the time. But uh, last week when I was sitting in for Dave, one of the the little clips that we got to play was of one of the deep state guys. I'm trying to remember. I think it was a former uh, national security advisor. He said that someone asked him, you know, about what's this about the – the, is there really such a thing as the deep yeah, state? Said, yeah. he, was, he was, thank God for the deep state. You know, and, and old Brennan sitting there beside him just laughing and laughing. Did you see that? Holy yeah, I mackerel. saw it on TV. Yeah, I saw him replay it on TV. Just unbelievable. It's not It's not for the people, by the people. It's it's. We're making decisions that you'll never know about, and we're taking money from for, for from, us from, from fifty different yeah from fifty different directions, so we can make decisions that will benefit you in the long run and and uh, <coughs> and um, make me uh, wealthy in the meantime. So. So it's it's, it's, un, it's, un, it's unbelievable. And the thing about it is for an attorneys and for people in Arkansas at the current time that has that has consulting firms, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing wrong with it. The only reason he got in trouble is because he got took some of the money that was intended for the PAC fund or or for the legal fund and put it in his personal personal checking account from what I've read. So uh, there is still not good laws in the state of Arkansas that prevents things of this nature from happening, and there will probably never be until we get different leadership. Well, you know, the Clinton Global Initiative was supposedly a charity, and you had foreign governments kicking in hundreds of millions into the Clinton Global Initiative. Still and sometimes, do. and if you wanted uh, to get Bill Clinton to come make a speech, you'd not only have to pay a, a, a what we'd consider a pretty opulent retainer to Bill, but you also had to kick in some contributions to his phony charity. And 13% of it, 13% was going to help people. 87% was going to their lifestyle and political ambitions. And, and wow. the, they said that the most in their line item of the expenses of the Clinton Global Initiative, miscellaneous was like 50 plus percent. He went to if, school in if, Arkansas, if, didn't he? If you think about that, the, the government is probably ha- probably has worse numbers than that. <coughs> they, they've, no they've got a proper role as to protect human rights, protect our individual liberties and rights. And they collect all this money. What would you bet? More than three or four percent of that actually goes towards protecting our rights. Yeah, and liberties. the, the yeah. numbers of Arkansas State Police are, are are down from twenty years ago by you know thirty or forty percent. The number mm-hmm. of police are down. We haven't built another pr- a prison in in twenty years. So Uh-oh. they're spending our money on a lot of stuff, but well, keeping us safe and protecting us is not on the priority. It's list. a good thing there aren't more crooks here than there used to be. Uh. Okay, we we <laughs> yeah. probably need to break for a minute so we can make some money. Lord knows we got have more than we got on hand now. If we're going to get Dave back from the fortress of solitude, so uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be back to finish up the hour just shortly. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. Glad to have you with us today. Sorry Dave couldn't be with us. We're still hoping that he'll be able to make it back from his important uh, secret conferences in an undisclosed location by Monday. We're hoping that the latest that we'll get Dave back again. In the meantime, you got Carl Kimball sitting in along with Paul Calvert, R.D. Hopper, and uh, we're going to be with you for another hour. Uh, there will be a best-of hour from... 
4 to 5 and Bible Guys from 5 to 6. Tomorrow afternoon is going to be another outstanding best of show, and I'll be back with you on Thursday. Uh, We're looking forward to seeing how this unravels. This is a a fascinating time that we live in. Of course, that's a good Chinese curse, isn't it, Paul? (laughs) May you be cursed to live in interesting times. Hmm. I'd say that we're living in some pretty interesting times. Well, uh, the, the fact is that difficulties are, in many cases, more educational, and they 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 improve our lives in in, in, in extraordinary ways sometimes. But sometimes peace is nice too. Yeah, I've lived to see three of the four impeachments in the United States <laughs> history, and uh, even a young guy like you've lived to see two of them. Yeah, I, I, I remember when when Clinton was being impeached. Or, and, it's only two years. What harm hmm. can he do? Depends on what the definition of is is. Yeah, well, he did a lot of harm, in my opinion, mm. on his way out of the door in those last two years. Yeah. He pardoned a lot of criminals mm. and uh, it cost the United States a lot of money. How about last giving China the most favored trade status? Yeah. So we can start shooting shooting uh, things that orbit around the Earth in China so they can steal all our technology well, to see, drop pe- nuclear bombs on us. Yeah, see, people forget that aspect of the Clinton years is that there was a company called Loral Space. They were huge donors to Bill Clinton and the Democratic Party. And Loral Space wanted the Chinese to put their satellites in orbit because the Chinese charged far, far less than NASA did. Mm -hmm. So they wanted to use the Chinese to put their satellites in orbit. Problem was, too many of the Chinese rockets exploded on the launch pad, and too many of the rest of them that didn't ended up not getting the satellite in the right, right where it place. needed to be huh? because NASA was able to charge more because they had way more brain power and way more original inventions to solve problems like mm-hmm. that well he still wanted to use the cheap chinese but he wanted to be able to Improve get his technology. he wanted to get his satellites in the right place he wanted to use the Chinese missiles, but have them give an American missile guidance technology so they'd be able to get off the ground and end up in the right place. The State Department had control over that at the time. The State Department said, no, no, don't do that. Don't give the communists the ability to have missile guidance technology. They'll be able to nuke us if they get that. Mm -hmm. That was the one thing they needed to credibly be able to nuke us was was missile guidance technology so they'd be able to have MIRVs, the multiple independent reentry vehicles, mm-hmm. so they could hit 10 American cities with one rocket. But, in, but, intercontinental but, ballistic and, nuclear and, weapons. And, and they didn't have that. At the, and, and the State Department said, no, don't give them that. But Bill Clinton was the only person who could have done this. Bill Clinton personally transferred control over missile guidance technology from the State Department that was saying no to the Commerce Department, headed at the time by his bag man, Ron Brown, who later died in very mysterious circumstances, as so many of Clinton's men did. Did he shoot do. himself in the back of the head twice? Twice, yeah, in the back, yeah. But, but uh, Ron Brown gave permission for Loral Space to transfer this missile guidance technology to the Chinese communists. Well, you know, the Rosenbergs, when I was in diapers, the Rosenbergs got put in the electric chair because they gave Joseph Stalin the ability to nuke the American people for the first time. That was one communist dictator that used to not be able to 
nuke Americans. Mm. Well, Bill Clinton did essentially the same and exactly. for personal profit because you got to remember, this is in 1996. My former Mater D at the Fool Inn restaurant here in town, Charlie Tree, was known to go into Democratic headquarters in Virginia dropping off huge bags of cash. That cash came from the Chinese People's Army. Mm. And and there were monks giving thousand you know supposedly impoverished monks all giving thousand dollar checks to Al Gore for his ninety six reelection bid. Desperately bad stuff. It was going on, and and uh, Bill made that possible. So you know, there's something that he didn't get impeached for. Uh, he should have well, been electrocuted for. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that was only the opinion of for certain firebrands like me. Well, we got to go pay some bills, get the top of the hour news. We're looking forward to seeing you and talking to you in the next hour. I'll be with you about a half hour or more, R.D. and Paul, for another hour. And we look forward to seeing you on more of The Dave Ellswick Show. show on 101.1 FM The Answer. We're delighted to have you with us this afternoon. So sorry Dave's not here. The show's always better when he is, and we miss Dave a lot when he's not here. And we hope he'll be back on Monday. But uh, in the meantime, you got Carl Kimball from Chanel Insurance sitting in temporarily and fortunate to have Dave's regular panelists, R.D. Hopper and Paul Calvert with us today. Welcome back, gentlemen. Yes, sir. Thank you. Good to be back. And if you'd like to join our conversation this afternoon, you can give us a call at area code 501-823-0965. And uh, we spent a lot of time thrashing impeachment in the national news last hour. So this hour, we're going to talk some about local issues. And uh, Paul, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? You wanted to talk about some of the ballot initiatives that we're going to be looking at when we go to the polls in November, correct? Yeah, very interesting. And that's something that people need to start getting educated on right now. Is uh, We're going to have uh, uh, three different ones that are already listed on the Arkansas Secretary of State website. So anybody out there needs to get on there and, and look them up. And, Can you summarize them for us? All right, sure. We've got uh, uh, HJR 1018 is to continue to levy a half a percent sales tax for the state highway systems, county roads, and and county streets. Uh, About 10 years ago, the state voted to to raise half a a cent uh, sales tax on everything, excluding groceries and the the things that pertain to to, uh, edible products. So groceries. So 10 years ago, 
uh, during the the Democrats being in charge, they said, "Hey, we're going. You know, we're going to get matching funds for the federal government. So if we'll raise this tax, mm. the federal government is going to give us like, you know, five hundred million dollars. But all we've got to do is raise." You know, a hundred million dollars, and it's just too good of a deal to pass up. So the but this voters, was basically a tax passed by the legislature no, for a certain period. No, this was no a, by the voters. This was passed by the there's voters. An election for it. There was an election. Voters, the the uh, legislature put it on the ballot. Put it the on people, the ballot. The people, people ratified it, and it. it was with the sunset clause. The sunset right? clause. I believe it was ten years mm-hmm. to sunset to complete the projects, and the projects were listed, and and what they wanted to do. And uh, it was going to be for 10 years. Well, the 10 years is coming up now. So now we have the Republicans in there. The Democrats just put it to sunset to this time. But now the Republicans that are in charge want to put this half a percent in the Arkansas Constitution. Make it permanent. Make it permanent. Put it in the Constitution. I've never heard of putting taxes in the Constitution. Well, but that, sadly, we've already got some. We got the Game and Fish Commission has got an eight cent sales tax that's completely regardless of their need and outside the oversight of the state legislature. I told my friends that love game and fish back when they voted on that about 15, 20 years ago, I said, it's a huge mistake. You've got to keep it under the oversight. And, and now, if I understand what you're telling me right now, is you're saying that right now that our current Republicans are more liberal than our old Democrats used to be. Because they uh, at least were going to give us a sunset clause. They were giving us a sunset clause to work right. It would stop. Uh, so... So this tax will run out in Arkansas taxes. Of course, we have more sales taxes than any state that adjoins us or more taxes overall That's right. than any we still state. Do. We still do. So we would be getting just a little bit of a break. But, you know, they need this money, so they're going to put it in the Constitution. If you read this bill, it also has a trigger in it that raises it every couple of years. Great. It raises itself, so it doesn't have to come back to the voters. If they need to raise it, it's going to be on autopilot hmm. that this is going to go on forever. And we'll have a and trigger you can't in ever it say it's unconstitutional because it's in the Constitution. It's going, to be in, it's going to be in the Constitution. So there's some misconception out there, and the people that are pushing this are putting out some news saying it's only going to be on automotive-related product on products. Well, this is a general and, and, and sales tax. And this is a general sales tax. I've even had... You know, I've even had elected officials say, no, 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 I'm sure that this is only going to be on gas and automotive products. Mm. I said, no, 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 I don't know. You better look it up. It is on everything except food. So some of these guys either don't know what they're voting on or are trying to pull the wool over their eyes. That's That's just kind of the norm, though, during the legislative session. You've got, what, a couple thousand bills that get filed, and they don't read them all. And the fact is the Arkansas Constitution actually requires them to read every single one of those bills on the floor of each of the House and the Senate three times. Yeah. The, the Arkansas Constitution pretty clearly requires it. I they, think that's a they, good provision. They don't do it. They, do. they just no, they, simply they don't do it. They find ways around it, don't they? You know, there was a tire bill that, that was growing government. 40 pages long yeah, or 30-something yeah. pages yeah, long? Yeah, 31 pages long. 
and uh, was against it. More regulations, more government, more fees. You know, it's like Obamacare on tires. Okay, well, let's let's back up <laughs> but, a second because yeah. okay, time, sure. time's scarce and we don't okay. have m- okay. much of it. And we do have a couple things to get to. You said there were three. That's one. That sounds pretty uniformly horrible. What's this? Give me the second one while we've got okay. time before the next. I, you break. know, they even they even get better than that. Uh, oh gosh. Uh, SJR 15 is Arkansas term limits amendment. Oh, you know, no. we got lied to in an amendment three. And, oh, absolutely. And then uh, they extended their, their uh, term limits to 16 years. Now they're trying to expand them again? Oh, okay. You get 16 years, you got to take four off, then you get 12 more after you take four off. Can you believe that? Yeah, I can. Those guys, once they get up there, they never want to leave. It's such That's a sweet exactly. gig. So you can imagine, most of them will serve 12 years. They'll come back, and they'll be lobbyists, and they'll work lobbying things. They'll get paid and, to, to, to schmooze their fellow former senators. Right, exactly. So after you you uh, do 16 years, you lobby for four years, make a good contacts with all the Medicaid providers and all the wheelchair providers and all those people getting all that federal money, and then you come back, and you get to serve 12 more after you've been educated and four then, years as a lobbyist. Then you go back and become a lobbyist more. again. Yeah, then they yeah, then you can 12. So, yeah, what, 16 plus 4 is 20, then 12? Uh, that's 32 years. Good 32 grief. years. So you do have to take a four-year break. Okay, from, well, it's talking about taking a break. That, <laughs> those are two pretty horrible amendments I think I want to vote against. But before we get into the third one, let's go ahead and take our uh, first break of the half hour, and then we'll come back, and, and you can give us a third one when wow, we return. Right. You're listening to the Dave Ellswick Show on 101.1 FM, The Answer. Well, we all wish Dave was back, and he will be before long. But in the meantime, you got Carl Kimball sitting in for Dave, along with Paul Calvert and R.D. Hopper. And uh, this half hour, we've been discussing ballot amendments to the Constitution that have been proposed by our glorious and oh-so-conservative Republican legislature. Uh, we got the one to make a sales tax permanent. Uh, we got another one to... Oh, I don't, just go ahead and give me the third one. I think I'll, I'll get, I'll get <laughs> sick right, if we sick. talk about them too much. What was the third one, R.D.? Well, the third one, you know, since the uh, the uh, marijuana initiative came into the state for mm-hmm. medical for medical use, you know, uh, out-of-state corporations came in Arkansas and spent a lot of money mm-hmm. to get that passed to get lobbyists and, and to get it on the ballot. So the next one is, uh, let's see, is H.J.R. Uh, 1008, and it's a, an amendment of Arkansas Constitution to amend the process for the submission and approval of proposed initiated acts. So basically what it says, you can read it, but it means you're going to have to have more signatures and you're going to, and they cut down the the amount of time that you have to get them and, and more scruples are going to look closer at them. So basically the legislator wants it to make it easier for them to get things on the ballot, you know, yeah. like extending their term limits, maybe creating a board to give them raises or or maybe levying taxes and put them on the Constitution. But an initiated act for taxpayers or individuals to get something on the ballot, then they're going to make it harder. So this is an act to do it. Yes, I do agree that sometimes out-of-state businesses come in and spend a lot of money on advertising and hiring people to get signatures 
But hey, this is the way that the voters and the well, working that, people get stuff on and, the and ballot. I think, I think maybe one of the better approaches is would have been to you know keep it keep it easy to get stuff on the ballot. Just make it easy. Keep it easy. But then maybe maybe raise the bar. If you're going to change the Arkansas Constitution, maybe make it make it require three quarters of the voters to actually vote for the blasted thing. Well, the thing about it is, you need transparency on who's behind something when you're voting. Sure. On it. But the problem is, if what they need on these initiated acts that come in is okay, how much money is being spent to get this act passed? Where is the money coming from? And who's behind it? If you want to know what's up on Initiated Act, all you have to do is follow the money. So that can be telling. That's exactly right. So you need transparency on who's behind it and what it's for. Yes, the marijuana growers of America and all the people that sells their product not me spent, spent hundreds of thousands and, and if millions of dollars to get this passed. But, you know, it was a, did it legally by the Constitution. They did it. But I'm afraid the what people would bother in Arkansas still got the vote on it. people in Arkansas still got the vote. But on you it. don't get to vote on it if you can't get it on the ballot. And I tell you, this, this just makes me so furious because it's already dang near impossible because, you know, you're going to complain about having outside money involved. How else can citizens get to the ballot? Uh, now, in the Acts the Food Tax back 17 years ago, we were fortunate to have a very well-endowed Arkansan who covered a lot of our expenses. So our money was mostly uh, all in-state. Mm-hmm. But we had a sugar daddy who who stepped up and, and provided money for what we couldn't raise or, or do on our own. Because there are so many hurdles to jump through. You have all of these petitions that you have to submit. You've got to have them segregated by county. They've all got to be just so. They'll go through, and if they can find one mistake on one line, on one petition, they'll throw that whole petition out, and the other nine guys that may have been completely legitimate That's, get thrown out with it. sounds like a pretty serious disenfranchisement. It, it, it is. And then uh, when you finally get enough signatures to get on, and, and before you even get on the ballot, you got to please the attorney general, who's often of the other party or of the other persuasion and may not want you to have what you want on the ballot. And so you got to you got to get around his objections. You got to get around all of the uh, the nitpicking on the petitions to try and get them off. And then when you finally do qualify for the ballot, you can be guaranteed. You worry about a sugar daddy for the people, the citizens trying to get a citizen position on. There's always a sugar daddy for the ones that want to stop a citizen initiative. Because I guarantee you That's that if, exactly if you're going to get right. something on the ballot, it's not enough if you got enough money, enough workers, enough backing to be able to get the signatures, get it on the ballot. You better have yourself a half a million or a million dollars set aside for lawyer fees to fight it out in the Supreme Court because if you've got a citizen initiative that's going to in any way threaten the powers that be, you're going to have to go to the Supreme Court and have a massive Supreme Court battle to keep them from having you thrown off the battle when, uh, ballot, thrown no. off the ballot when you're qualified for it. Right. I, I think that's a serious problem that we, that we do have. <laughs> you think? And, and, the, I mean, it's it, it's kind of nuts, though. That I think maybe one of the things that that would help is if we would have a better system of holding people accountable when they file lawsuits that are fraudulent. And 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 some people talk about frivolous lawsuits, and I don't think that's the right term. I think we need to be more along the lines of fraudulent lawsuits. So so if I claim that 
well, let's say a, a bunch of people get together and, and get a, a ballot initiative to abolish property taxes. And it's totally up above, above board and it's just straight out easy to read and everything. And someone files a lawsuit against it and claiming that it's, it's not clear when it perfect, when it absolutely is clear. I think if someone is is willing to make false claims like that, I think they need to be actually punished. This is not – it shouldn't be something we but can But you just, won't be able to do it without a massive amount of money to hire lawyers to go after them, and then they'll hire the massively I, uh, expensive and, lawyers and, to defend and, it. And it becomes a battle of who's got the better lawyers rather than and what's again, right. Again, that's part of the problem is that we don't have a system in place to hold bad actors accountable effectively. Yeah. Like um, we, you know, when we were off there, we were talking about Amendment Three that got passed a, a couple of years ago. That extended their term limits to, and, to the to the sixteen. Cla- claiming that it was a um, establishing term limits was the yeah. terminology. I think it was, was it was it was to ethics provide reform. ethics guidelines <laughs> and ethics establish reform. term limits. Well, and, and I think I think maybe part of that problem. <laughs> total is that, lie. I, I don't think, as far as I know, nobody actually sued to get it off the ballot. And maybe it would have worked had somebody said it. It's because it was an initiative by the legislature. And generally that and, doesn't And generally the, the Supreme Court's attitude has been that if the legislature passes it, they just let it go. Yeah, and I th- but if, but if uh, a citizen's initiative comes up, well, we've got to look at that real uh, carefully. I think you're right. Un- uh, although, just in this past previous election, um, the Supreme Court did actually throw off a legislative initiative and that was very rare and that was that was kind of interesting very so, so rare. maybe they're going to be more open to that we can hope upcoming future well you, like like carl said you'd have to have money to fight it i mean i i think the way that was worded and you know putting in the board to review the raises and give themselves raises mm-hmm. and extended their term limits you know, I think it was a crime the way that that, that uh, initiative was presented and put on the bill. I it think was it was a crime. Fraud. It was yeah, massive fraud. It was massive fraud against so, uh, the people of Arkansas. So, uh, you know, I guess it would take somebody with a lot of money when somebody does something like that to challenge it. And we've got to take part of the responsibility on ourselves right. because if we were good, conscientious voters, we wouldn't get sapped by, by a fake ballot title like that. Because there are plenty of us you knew before you we went to the polling sure. booth that that was a scam. It, but, I but, knew. But, R.D. knew. But, but, but there are lots of people that go and they and they don't have that knowledge when they go into the booth. That is a problem. So we got to put part of it on ourselves as a group. The other thing is that, you know, part of the system, from what I understand, is that it's pretty daunting, at least, to file a lawsuit against the state legislature to challenge... It's just uh, it's just like uh, Buddy Holly. Uh, I fought the law and the law won. <laughs> <laughs> well, and and, 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 so, and and not only that, they they also charge you money to file a lawsuit. If I understand it correctly, which is a pretty obvious violation of the Arkansas Constitution. If I'm reading it correctly, and so to, to, to charge someone to exercise their rights is a problem, and, and it's and, and so it's a, it's an uphill battle for regular folks. From what I can tell, to to file a lawsuit to deal with some of these issues, where whereas sometimes these these bigger moneyed interests, it, it's maybe not quite as daunting for them to, to to file a lawsuit to keep some of these things off the ballot when it might hurt them, or when it might not hurt them, but it, it maybe cut off some of their benefits. You know, they always want to put you know raising taxes on the ballot. They're always wanting to put term limits on the ballot. You know, so. Pretty well, any ballot initiative that I've ever seen that comes from the legislator is we're going to give ourselves more power. 
We're going to Funny take free, yeah, we're going to give ourselves more power. We're going to take your freedom away from you, so you're not going to get to vote on give us more money or not because mm-hmm. we're just going to keep the money and not ask you anymore. Mm-hmm. We're going to automatically raise your taxes without asking you from now on, mm-hmm. and then we're going to make it harder for you to get something on the ballot. To challenge. Anything in my lifetime since I've been involved in politics in the last 10 years, if the legislature puts it on that ballot, you better vote against it. <laughs> 30 seconds, Paul. No, and that's, that is frustrating, though. I mean, it's the legislative um process is 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 not being run legally i don't believe and it's not, and it's and it's the, the the nature of the beast is that government wants to grow it's not transparent just like the line item veto that they got away with to uh to get the money for uh, obamacare. Me- obamacare medicaid expansion it was unethical the way that the governor did that well looks like no matter what we do we're screwed doesn't it <laughs> all right well it's always a delight to sit in for Dave Ellswick, uh, especially it's always a delight to sit in and converse with my friends Paul Calvert, R.D. Hopper. Great to have you with you. us. I'm going to be out as soon as this next break's over. R.D.'s going to handle it for us yeah, for the next good. half hour, and then we'll have some best of in the Bible, guys. I'll see you guys on Thursday. Thank you for listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. So you are listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. This is not Dave Ellswick. This is Paul Calvert. Dave Ellswick is out for a little while. So it's R.D. Hopper and myself sitting in right now. And so we've got a little bit of time to talk about a few things. I, I did see something that was kind of interesting. I think it was this morning I saw it, that um, Michael Bloomberg was in Arkansas filing to run for president. All right. That's interesting. That's kind of <laughs> – isn't he the guy that was um, – Promoting a bunch of um, gun rights infringements around the country. Is that some other guy? I'd have to look into it. I, I believe Michael. He, uh, he's a guy from New York, isn't he? Is that the former mayor of New York? I, I think it is, yeah. Oh, okay, the former mayor of New York. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Let's see. Yeah, he's a big-time leftist uh, liberal uh, Democrat as what is uh, – the way we would way we would classify him so uh uh i'm not that familiar with him but i believe he's a democrat and a socialist and you know anything anytime the democrats want to grow socialism you're you're killing small businesses as a small business owner if you're talking about all right free college for everybody Okay, that just means that small businesses just have to pay more taxes to cover another broker, another program. All right, we're going to say, all right, uh, free college for everybody. Well, how about free health insurance for everybody? Why doesn't everybody be on Medicaid? So Medicaid for all. So mm-hmm. the Democrats are going to say right. Medicaid, Medicaid for all. You know, we know in Arkansas that just Medicaid expansion for 240,000 people you know, a couple of billion dollars for two hundred and forty thousand people. A couple of billion dollars. A couple billion least, here, yeah, a couple yeah. billion there. And, yeah, one point seven and, to two to two uh, billion. So, to me, that's more small businesses. I was driving around the Ozarks enjoying the color, colors this weekend, mm-hmm. and I see, you know, family stores closed, mm-hmm. like the local grocery store yeah. in the community that used to be open is closed. The little post office that used to ha- used to sell gases, a lot of them are now closed. So, the cost of doing businesses. And the cost of taxes and regulations and all of these things that that they want to give away for free, 
start in rural areas with small businesses well, and, and start taking them and out. And I think there is something to that because, you know, you see that um, when government subsidizes business, when the government tries to promote big business and new jobs and whatever else, you know, you know, having lots of jobs is kind of cool. But, you know, having free markets, I think, is even more cool. And, you know, one of the things that happens when you have these giant corporations that come in and, and the government subsidizes them, I think one of the things that one of the, the groups of people that suffers is is the small businesses. You know, you've you got a small business that, that's employing people in town and they know everybody and everybody knows them. And then some giant corporation comes in, government subsidizing them. They can pay another two, three, four bucks an hour. And so people leave. They quit working for the small business. They work for the giant corporation. And then guess what happens? Rent goes up. Or it's liable to go up. And then other other prices end up rising. And, you know, maybe they would have been better off not subsidizing this giant corporation that makes their taxes go up or, or and, and grows the cost of living. And, you know, are, are we really better off when when government comes along and says, you know what, free market just isn't working quite right. We need to help it along. We need to subsidize the free market. It's, it's still a free market, but we're going we're gonna to subsidize it. I'm sorry, that's not a free market. It just isn't. No. You know, there's one thing that the government has proved that they don't know how to do. And what they don't know how to do is profitable. The government well, It's cannot, profitable for somebody. Exactly right. The government does not have any business trying to create commerce or being in the commerce business. They cannot do any, They cannot run any agency efficiently. I mean, look at DHS. You know, we come in, they want to raise taxes, raise taxes. How many things have we seen them cut? What budgets have, have we seen them reduce? So right. DHS budget has gone up 150 to 250 a million dollars every time I've seen appropriation for it. So wow. uh, all they know how is to raise overhead and how to do less with more. Small businesses, they well, have to learn how to do more with less. And that's, that's the beauty of, of free markets is that, you know, if I come up with a better way to build a widget, guess what? I get to, I get to make a profit. If I come up with a worse way to do it, guess what? I go out of business. If, if somebody has, you know, uh, there's various different things out there that you know I'm, I'm interested. I'm interested in a lot of different things. I, I, I'm kind of a typical guy in that regard. I have ideas that I want to try, and I want to be able to compete in the marketplace. And sometimes I look at something, and it's like, I've got this idea. And so I go, go to study on it, and someone else already came up with that idea long before I did. <laughs> and so it, it was maybe a good idea. And but somebody else already discovered, hey, we can we can make money doing this, and we can serve the public, and that's one of the great things about a free market society is that it is a way to get people to serve each other, and it doesn't require force. It is a voluntary interaction between individuals, and it's a beautiful thing. It really is cool because the cool thing about it is that when you have something that I want, and I have something that you want, and we trade, we both get richer. Yeah, they've taken the free market out of the college systems, and that's one of the first things. You know, whenever everybody is getting money, like everyone from overseas, is getting subsidized, and and then you get the the colleges are guaranteed to X amount of students hmm. that are going to get their tuition paid for by the government. And that's crazy. And so, so they have plenty of customers, and these customers have money provided for by the government. So, if they raise their, the amount that they're charging 
they're not going to lose any customers because, the government's paying yeah, for it. because it is a government agency and the government is paying the government's paying for it so all these people out here that are working two or three jobs that are having to get loans to go to college they're having to pay even more. the inflated amount that has been inflated because capitalism has been taken out of it, mm-hmm. and the colleges aren't competing with each other on prices or what they're offering as far as in a free market society because they have a captured market that's already provided for by taxpayers' money. So, and th- that runs as artificially inflates the price Mm -hmm. and there's no efficiencies in it they don't have to run the colleges efficiently or profitably because they are being subsidized and they don't even have to have good teachers either because when the when the government is subsidizing the teaching program you can have these teachers that that ought to be digging ditches somewhere because they're just not smart enough to teach or they're teaching just hogwash foolishness i mean i I think this is the, the major source of this nonsense it's coming out with this gender euphoria stuff, this gender confusion stuff, this this, this idea that that um, this sexual perversion is a good thing. I think a lot of this is coming from these universities, these professors that are that are just teaching craziness. Well, it's going to be coming into your high schools before you know it. Uh, everybody needs to be doing some research and looking out there on what's going on in in Austin, Texas, in sex education classes. They're going to be teaching people in grade school about different types of sex, like homosexual I, type sex. Type. Well, yeah, and yeah, I don't even yeah, I don't even want to talk about it mm-hmm. on, on the air. The type of sex, but they're teaching kids in grade school like three different types of sex. Mm-hmm. They're teaching them how to use you know condoms correctly and how to use them correctly mm-hmm. so they're they're effective and they're so people need to look up what's going on in austin texas the liberals taking over the the austin city schools and they have what i would call pornographic sex education classes this pornography that, well, it, that they're subjecting it, their children to and all it is is government in the schools with an agenda and pushing the agenda in the school system, and uh, you know, free if it's not free market and it's not be driven uh, by the voters and by the taxpayers, then it's going to go amiss. And it's a mess. I mean, I think the fact is that people need to get their kids out of public school. That's that's. I think it's gotten to that point where people need to wake up. I mean, you cannot trust the government to raise your kids for crying out loud when, when we've got. All kinds of nonsense. Just the fact that they're in public school being brainwashed by by the system, and then some of the some of the school districts are, are, are especially awful. Where they're um, even if they even if you ignore the fact that half the kids get out of there and, not, and they can't read, then they, you have other schools where they're teaching some of the nonsense like this. Where you, where you it's they call it sex education, but maybe it would be more accurate to call it fornication yeah. education. Yeah, it's called pornography Yeah, and, and, is what it's called. And, and uh, you know, they're already teaching. They've already been teaching socialism in their schools. You know, I went to Iceland, and I got a tour of Iceland. And uh, we always like to go to the old churches in, mm-hmm. in the history of the old churches and, and religion in the area. Well, the churches in Iceland are are vacant now and they're basically tourist, tourist attractions but tourist attractions wow. because they've already taught their population the the big boom theory and evolution mm. and now you know they're all educated they think they're educated enough to know that uncle ralph was a squirrel and everybody came from a bowl of soup wow. so uh so uh we've got to be careful is iceland the, the the country or i guess it's the country is it the country where they've 
a, a basically eliminated Down syndrome because they abort all of them, or was that Greenland? Uh, I'm I'm not sure mm-hmm. about that. It's a socialist state, so uh-huh. uh, so it's sad. I tell you what, uh, I think everybody ought to ought to have a right to here's do some, the best they can. Here's with some news: what they can. Joyce Elliott files to run against French Hill for U.S. Congress. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that's just from today. Apparently, just from just from today, huh? Yeah. So, so today is Arkansas filing day. I think it was over twelve at o'clock noon. noon. Right, it's over at noon. Was the last day, so there'll be a lot of there'll be a lot of breaking news coming out for people that are filing for for different offices. Um, so that's interesting. There'll that be more. Is, com- there'll be more coming out. And there's that's for sure. Wayne just stepped just stepped into the the um, the room next to us there, Wayne Beach. He's a friend of the show, and um. But anyway, so we're coming up on here on a break here pretty soon, and um, we'll have some more to talk about. I think we may talk about um, apparently millennials have this kind of this little love affair with socialism. We can come back and talk about that here in a few minutes. But in the meantime, the phone number for the show is 501-823-0965. Again, 501-823-0965. Um, go ahead and call us if you'd like to chat about some of this. and. Um, and um, we should be back here in, what, about two or three minutes, Zach? And so, well, come back, talk to us. Okay, welcome back. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. This is actually Paul Calvert. Dave Ellswick was out, out for a little while. We've got myself and R.D. Hopper here sitting in. So there's some kind of breaking news today. We have um, saw that, um, so apparently over in um, Connecticut, with the Sandy Hook shooting, there were some people wanting to sue Remington over um, the fact that somebody used one of their guns to murder some people. That's kind of bizarre. I mean, uh, what, what if what if um, somebody sued Ford because someone used one of their pickup trucks to run over people? Would that be reasonable, Artie Hopper? You know, they they don't have a motive. They don't have a brain. You know, no. I, I always, whenever I would get mad at lawnmower or something, I'd say, this stupid <laughs> piece of junk. My dad says, the lawnmower's not the problem, you know. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a piece of machinery. It doesn't, it doesn't think for itself. It, you know, you can't blame it for anything. Right. right. Maybe the person that put the bad gas so, in it or so, something. But we're always wanting to blame something else besides taking responsibility. Right. So, so apparently there, some people are thinking that, well, they were too aggressively, uh, or some some gun manufacturer was too aggressively advertising to young men, and with the one of the ads being, it, it stated, when you, when you get yourself an AR-15, consider your man card reissued. I don't see that as terribly aggressive advertising. It's kind of silly advertising, I think, but it's, 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 I don't think there's anything unreasonable about it. I don't think that implies to it. go out and, right. and to murder no. people or, or, or do or do anything Absolutely like not. that. You know, I, mean. you know I, I think there's an argument to be made. You know, if I have a gun that I want to sell and I know that I have a, a, a pretty good idea that somebody wants to do something wrong with it, I think I probably have a responsibility not to sell it to that person. And maybe even to turn that person over to the authorities because, you know, I think that guy's up to no good. He's going to hurt somebody. So I think I think there's an argument to be made to say that, you know what, I better not sell that to this guy because. Well, you know, uh, we have what we call common sense. Mm-hmm. But 
people are still innocent until they're pro- until they're proven guilty. Now there are people that have some medical conditions and and children and, and teenagers. You know, there there should be an age limit for people open carrying or carrying firearms, so they uh, make sure they're of a responsible oh. age and, and certain training. But you know, you cannot punish people for for their thoughts or the things that they, that they haven't done yet. So no, no, that sounds I, a little bit too much like the red flag laws. Well, and, and so I, and I, my personal opinion on on about whether or not people should carry is that you know if you have. The authority, if it's legal and you're mature enough to be able to walk around without adult supervision, you know, I think you ought to be allowed to carry. The fact is, if your 16-year-old daughter can go and work at a gas station till 9 o'clock at night and then drive home after dark or walk home after dark or ride her bicycle home at dark after dark, I think it's perfectly reasonable for her to be able to be armed so she can protect herself so she doesn't get raped on the way home. I think that it's highly unreasonable for government to block her from being able to protect herself. That's dumb. Now, if it's if if maybe the better argument is that well, she's not old enough to be out out, out alone at night, so may, maybe that would be a, a reasonable argument. But to say that she can't defend herself, that's insane. I think that's just wrong. I think that's it's a it's a violation of her rights to to say that if if she's going to be out in the public, out alone, by herself, she can't she can't be in possession of of a reasonable means of defending herself. Well, you know, I, when I was on a cruise, I sat with a lady that clearly voted for Hillary Clinton and, mm-hmm. and clearly thought that, that guns were evil mm-hmm. and that uh, that only police officers and, and uh, elected of- officials ought to be protected by guns. Oh. So, uh, but I asked her, you know, if, if a gun ever, ever run up and down the road and started chewing people on its own, I mean, I don't think Remington made guns that, that don't do what they're told. Yeah, and, yet, yeah. and go out and run up and down the neighborhood shooting things. We we have to look at society. Right. We've taken God out of society right. as the problem. We've not tri- t- taught our children the golden rule that and that all men are created equal and life is precious and you treat people the way you want to be treated yourself. The problem is, is we've taken God out of schools. Whenever you start blaming gun manufacturers right. for making guns. That's absurd. That, that, but... That, that absolutely will do nothing that you don't tell them not to do, just like your Ford truck won't run over pedestrians on the sidewalk unless you tell your Ford truck to do right. it. That, that's how so, they work, right? For now, anyway, we're getting some of these autonomous vehicle-type vehicle situations, so maybe the government can drive them into something. But but for now, when I buy a Ford truck, it doesn't drive over people. And the gun doesn't do anything right. you, you don't tell it right. to. So blaming Remington is nuts. The, the the key thing is people don't want to take responsibility. We're going to have to look at the parents. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to look at, at our school system, and we're going to look at the, at the morals that our country has right, right. now. And, and there I, is a problem in our country, but you know, uh, taking guns out of the country, people use knives or anything right. else. We've got to we've got to look at the real problem. All right. The problem is that we don't we have a serious moral problem. We've we've got this idea that well we shouldn't just depend on individual responsibility and then hold individuals accountable individually. So when we were talking about before the break that we were, that we were going to bring up about millennials with their little love affair of socialism. So Walter Williams um, on his Facebook post post, I believe it was yesterday stated in a recent survey conducted by the victims of communism and polled by you, a research and data firm found 
that 70% of millennials are likely to vote socialist and that one in three millennials saw communism as favorable. To me, that is pretty consistent with this no, this d- kind of dumb notion of Sandy uh, for the Sandy Hook issue that we should sue the gun manufacturers as opposed to why don't we hold bad people accountable? That's exactly right. But when you look at socialism, 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 when we look at socialism, I'll slow down. I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> you know, you're you're looking at kids that haven't earned a paycheck yet and only got, you know, maybe 60 percent of a paycheck yet these kids like the sound of it and you know when you're 16 or 17 year old you're you're looking ahead you got to choose a profession Mm -hmm. you got to go to school you got to be responsible then you need to work for 10 years to get an opportunity to have some experience to be able to put in 20 years to where you're going to be a very productive person. So if you're looking at five years education, maybe 10 years in experience, and then 20 years of work, or let's look at socialism or communism to where you just take money away from the people that are already working, that's already in that system, and you give me my school for free and give me and my family free health care and maybe give me an apartment to stay in, you know, it – it may look good from that standpoint, but, but whenever but they see the real effects of it, I think they may get wise. But what's what's the what's the incentive for them to go out and excel? You know, the fact is that it it it, it it's good for people to look at, at 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 the marketplace and say, you know what, I'm good at that. I'm going to go try it, and I might fail, but I might not. And so people should be have the freedom and liberty to do that. But with socialism, what ends up happening, I think, is we, we stifle creativity. We um, promote mediocrity, or <laughs> mediocrity might be an improvement over a lot of socialist ideas. And um, so it's, it's, a, it's a mess, but we need to promote morality. The issue with socialism is that it promotes this kind of immoral idea that Someone else has a responsibility to do things for me. Hey, let's take the safety net down. Let's walk the tight wire and sink or swim. Hey, And and that's what we need to do. Stick your neck out and go for it. And and the safety net is not gone, even if we take the government safety net away. Because guess what? There's still people like you and me who are willing to help people. That's exactly right. There's no boxer like a boxer with his back against the ropes. Anyway, you've been listening to the Dave Ellswick Show. We are about to call call it a day. Arkansas. This is Dr. Scott Stewart coming to you 
from our wonderful studio here in Little Rock. Um, I'm reporting to you that uh, I'm alone today. Uh, Mr. Dave is not going to be with us, and none of the other Bible guys are here. So this is not the Bible guys segment. This is just the Bible guy. And in a way, it's a little bit reminiscent of my beginnings because this show started off between just Dave and myself. So it was the Bible guy in the beginning until we added uh, Billy Miller and Steve Hess. But uh, today I am flying solo. So it's just me here in the studio all by myself. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, you can see that. I am not telling a fib. I am here all by myself. Of course, Zach, the producer, is in the other room there. He's the one who's keeping things going. How are you doing today, Zach? I'm doing fantastic. Are we going to be okay today? Oh, yes, we are. <laughs> all right. It's going to be a great hour. It's going to be a good time. Especially one particular segment. And I'm just waiting it. for it. I have a question from in-studio Zach here who's given me something he wants me to talk about. So uh, before we get into the questions that have been given us today, first of all, I want to give a big shout out to uh, to Dave and let him know that we're thinking about him as he is uh, taking care of business. And also to um, Steve as he is uh, sitting in a tree somewhere, probably hoping and praying that a little lovely deer will walk by. And of course, we're giving a shout out to Billy as Billy is uh is uh, is uh, at home at the moment, I believe. So um, I don't know if he's uh, working or what's actually going on, but uh, we're thinking about Billy during the, this time. If you'd like to give us a call, I'd appreciate it. Hey, I'm all by myself today. So anytime you could uh, help me out here with a little bit of activity, I would certainly appreciate it. Telephone number, area code, of course, is 501. It's 823-0965. That's 823-0965. Uh, you'll get on straight away, and uh, you'll be able to uh, talk to me, the Bible guy. And again, because I'm all by myself, I'd appreciate a little bit of a cooperation. If you uh, are too embarrassed or too shy to uh, call us up, you can send an email in to BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. That'll go into our email account. I won't get that straight away today. That'll have to be pulled up uh, next week, but I encourage you to go ahead and to email us uh, anyway. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Dr. Scott Stewart. That's Dr. Scott Stewart. Stewart is spelled S-T-E-W-A-R-T. I am the senior pastor of Agape Church located here in Little Rock at 701 Napa Valley Drive. We have services on Wednesday at 7, and we also have services on Sunday at 10 a.m. We encourage you to come by and to um, and to check us out. So once again, the telephone number is 823-0965 if you'd like to give us a call. Otherwise, we'll just go ahead and jump straight in and get into our, uh, our questions that have been sent in. We have quite a few that have been coming into us today, so we're going to kind of try to take them one at a time. And we're going to start off here with a question that was brought to us asking uh, our opinion. I keep on saying our because normally have the Bible guys with me. Uh, our opinion on Kanye West. Is Kanye West for real? And uh, and my prayer is that Kanye West is for real. I've never spoken to him myself. So um, all I have is the interviews and the uh, newspaper and articles that have been written. But everything the man is saying at this, uh, at this time indicates that his um, his faith is real. The things he said he will no longer participate in, he'll lo- no longer do, all indicate the, the fact that he is serious about his faith. But the Bible tells us that by their fruit, you will know them. And fruit takes time to grow. Um, some people are flash-in-the-pan type people. They are impulsive. They do things quickly. Uh, they don't have any longevity to them. So I think uh, the proof is in the pudding. Is he? Is this? Uh, is this going to be a, a long-standing thing, or is it just something uh, that um, he's doing for uh, the moment? Uh, my prayer is, of course, that it is going to be a long-standing thing. And he's going to hold, and I believe that will, uh, will be the uh, will be the case. That's my prayer anyway, because a lot of people are taking him at his word. A lot of people are believing what he what he says, and uh, and he certainly seems to be genuine. But unless I spoke to him myself, I can't have any authority here to speak to it. But from my perspective. 
from the outside, I would say, yes, he certainly is a, a man of faith at the moment. And I believe he will always be declaring what he believes to be true. And I'm not sure. Do you see the article, Zach, how many Bibles he he gave away? I mean, I think the last uh, concert he said he gave away like 6,000 Bibles or something like that. So uh, the man is uh, spreading the word and uh, testifying of his faith. The word tells us this in the book of Revelation. It says uh, that uh, by uh, by the word of our, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of, the, of our testimony, uh, we overcome. So he's certainly giving out his testimony. And I pray that people that are making the decision are making the decision from their from their whole heart. Um, you know, the apostles came to Jesus one time and they said, Lord, there are people over here that are preaching the gospel. They're not, uh, they're not following us around. Should we go and tell them to stop? And Jesus says, absolutely not. Those that are not against me are for me. So at this moment, I say we champion uh, Kanye. We, we, we cheer him on as a brother in the Lord. He may not be your denomination. He may not be your persuasion. He might not be what you think would be the best there is, but if he's out there preaching the gospel, then we have to say he is our brother and he is with us. He is for us. He's certainly not uh, not against us. So well, that would be my position. What's that, Zach? Well, see, his mom was a Christian herself. Was she? Oh yeah, he grew up. He grew up a Christian. You know, he grew up in the home of a Christian. Right. And that's his mother's love plus her faith. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what helped. You know, help him grow well, into who he is today. Well, I guarantee, if she was if she was a Christian woman, she was she was praying for her baby boy for sure. And those prayers have actually come up. So let, let that be a uh, uh, an encouragement to some of you moms out there. You have a child doing things that you wouldn't necessarily want them to do. Uh, keep those prayers going up because the word says this, that train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. And so we believe that uh, he was trained in the way he should go by a good, godly, uh, God-fearing woman. And she obviously prayed for her child. And those prayers have come to uh, fruition. Those seeds have actually sprouted root root and now have uh, produced some uh, wonderful fruit uh, in uh, in his life so keep those prayers going forward there is there's a an, there's an effectual working the scripture tells us that the 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 the, the fervent effectual prayer of a righteous man avails much and uh, so this woman prayed and her son's obviously walking in the things of uh, the things of God so um, I if you have a, if you have a different opinion about uh, about Kanye and you'd like to to uh, let me know what that is, just give us a quick call, 823-0965. I'll be happy to discuss it with you. Maybe you know a perspective I don't know. Maybe you've heard something I haven't heard, or maybe you just want to add your support to what I was uh, uh, just saying about him. But up until this point, we want to cheer on our brother Kanye. All right, moving on to our next uh, our next question. Uh, there is a question here re- regarding what do we make, we the Bible guys, what do we make of this phrase that's going around, especially on university campuses, saying, my truth. And... Uh, and I, I've heard about this, and I think it's absolutely asinine. Uh, and if you haven't heard about this, this is a this is really popular right now. And that is when you when you speak to someone who doesn't agree with your position, they will say things like, "Well, that's your truth." And um, and you know, truth is not subjective. Uh, truth is a, a factual thing. Truth cannot be both this and that. Truth is is one dimensional, and it can't be your truth and my truth being different things. There can only be one truth. Remember the the uh, Pontius Pilate uh, was even speaking to Jesus, and Jesus said, I came to testify of the truth. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? What is truth? And then Jesus began to tell him what truth actually is. This idea of your truth or my truth uh, really comes out of what we would call post-millennialism. And it, um, I mean, uh, po- I'm sorry, postmodernism. And basically, what this is, it's it's a postmodernism is a 
is what most of the university, uh, most university universities would present today. And it's basically, it's a position that challenges everything that came from um, modernity, which is the modern movement. In other words, the moderns believed that there were actual facts that governed things. Postmoderns believe you have to challenge everything and no one is correct about anything. Uh, that every truth is subjective, every truth is situational, everything is debatable, nothing is set in concrete, nothing you say is 100% true. There's nuances and there's gray matter and there's different dimensions to truth. So therefore, postmoderns believe that there can be your truth and my truth because no truth is actually factually uh, unmovable and established. And and that always surprises me because when if you believe that, I mean, if you're out there and you've been talking about this and you believe you you can have a truth and I can have a truth about a certain thing, uh, you know, uh, then I would just say this to you. Why are you even going to university? Because you're sitting listening to a professor who, from your perspective, you are not going to believe anything he's going to say because that's just his truth. Because the whole idea behind your truth and my truth uh, is uh, is all subjective in the uh, from the eyes of the person that's giving it. So I don't even know why you would be going to university because you will not accept anything that's being said to you in the first place. If I have a I have a cup here in front of me, it's full of full of water. It's a paper cup. Um, it can't be paper for me and metal for you. It can't be my truth and your truth. There's only one truth. It, that's what it is. It's water that's inside here. It can't be water and or coffee. That it can only be one thing. There's only one truth. Jesus is that truth. And you can't say, well, that's your truth. I have a different truth. Sorry. There is only one. Uh, there's only one truth. And Jesus brought forth that uh, truth. So what is my perspective of this, my truth uh, type of a philosophy? I think it's complete and total lunacy uh, to believe that you can have one truth and somebody else has a, have another truth when the fact is actually established. See, the only time that actually works is in sports. I love debating <laughs> sports. I love arguing. What's your favorite football team? You know, the New England Patriots. What's wrong with you? What's wrong? What? <laughs> this is not the hour for that. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. But um, Guess who goes to my church? <laughs> Keith Jackson. Do you know really? Keith, you know Keith Jackson? I do. Oh, yeah. Keith Jackson. But Keith. basically, like I said, this argument only works in sports because, again, you know, you can say Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Yeah. Or, you know, today, you know, a lot of people say LeBron James. Oh, there you go. That's the only time yeah. this type of, you know post-modernism can work <laughs> well let me just tell you something let me, let me help you out here let me help you with a little bit of something the miami dolphins now that's the team right there the miami dolphins are the only team in history to ever go the season or the preseason the season the playoffs and the super bowl without losing a game i'm not falling for that 1972 bob uh, greasy was the quarterback don shula was the coach it's the only team in history to go to do that. And to this day, now Keith Jackson, he played for the Dolphins. And to this day, that 1972 team gets together every year when the when the only undefeated team gets defeated and they have a partay. So, you know, whenever whenever you got something like that going for you, uh, you need to reconsider. I know you just pointed that out because I'm a New England Patriots fan and we went 18 and 1. I know you just pointed that out for that reason. <laughs> I'm not well, falling. Let me ask you this, did, did, were they undefeated? That's what I'm talking about. You hear the silence, people? The Dolphins, only one, only way to go. All right, everybody. I want you to stay warm out there. We got 30 degrees. Wind's coming in from the north. Uh, we won't have our wind won't be as high uh, or strong as what it was last night. 45 percent humidity. That's uh, not too bad. So it won't be as cold as what it would normally be if we were up around 80 percent. 
humidity. But nonetheless, make sure you stay warm. Keep yourselves all covered up there. And uh, we'll be back here in just a couple of minutes. Continue with the Bible Guys on the Dave Ellswick Show 101.1. That's right. This is the Dave Ellswick Show. I am Dr. Scott Stewart sitting in for Dave right now. Big shout out today. We miss you here in the studio, my brother. Looking forward to having you back here next time. Uh, just in case you'd like to um, see how you might be able to become a, become a part of the show tonight, uh, you can give me a call here at 823-0965. This is the Bible Guys segment. However, we are minus two Bible Guys, which makes this the Bible Guy segment. And that means I am the only one here in the studio today. Uh, and, of course, Zach is uh, the man who's keeping all the the nuts and bolts tighten so that the things don't fall apart around here. I appreciate him. So if you'd like to uh, give us a ring, that'd be great. Otherwise, you can send an email in to BibleGuys at SalemLR.com. You can follow me on Twitter at, at Dr. Scott Stewart. That's D-R Scott, S-T-E-W-A-R-T. I'm the pastor of Agape Church, 701 Napa Valley Drive here in Little Rock. Uh, services are at 7 o'clock on Wednesdays and Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. If you'd like to know a little bit more about us, what we believe, why we believe it, you can visit our website at ACLR. That stands for Agape Church Little Rock, ACLR.org. We have a few questions that have been sent in to us via email. We've already taken up a couple of those, and we're going to go ahead and hit our next question here as we're moving down the list, knocking them out one at a time. Uh, The next question comes in for our opinion related to this idea of woke society. What does it mean to be woke um, I think it means that we're looking for something to complain about. I think it means we're looking for something to be upset about. And also, I believe that no one can give you a definition of that. The people I've spoken to, everybody has a different definition as to what woke actually means. So uh, I'm not, for me, you know, this is the Bible Guy segment. So we're looking at things from a theological perspective, a scriptural perspective, believing that that is the one and only truth that can truly be obtained in the world. And the only way that you can truly be woke to anything is by the touch of the Spirit of God. What does it mean to be woke from a theological perspective? That is to be awakened to the fact that there is only one God, uh, to be awakened to the fact that there is only one Savior, one Redeemer, to be awakened to the fact that you have been created in His image and are meant to bear His image to the world and carry His name to the world, which only happens through a relationship with the Almighty through the Messiah Yeshua, Jesus. And so for me, the only thing that really is going to change the world is not you figuring out um, that there's a massive conspiracy against against you or your people or your community, but realizing that there is a massive conspiracy against you by the devil of hell who is trying to destroy you, destroy your family. The scripture tells us this in John's gospel, chapter 10, verse number 10, Yeshua, Jesus said this. He said, the thief comes, that's the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I, Jesus, that is, have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If there's anything you need to be woken to, you need to be awakened to the fact that things in your life and in our country and in our world that are stealing from us, that's the work of the enemy. And you need to be aware of that and realize your fight is not with flesh and blood, but your fight is with demonic powers and principalities. Deal with that and then watch flesh and blood begin to change. If anything is is killing from our life, things that are destroying, killing in our life, things that are murdering, that is the, the, the enemy. That is the devil. The Bible actually says this. Jesus says that the devil was a murderer, murderer from the beginning. And what did he mean by that? Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1 where Cain killed Abel. In other words, the enemy, the devil made him do that brother against brother. He's a murderer from the beginning. He's a liar from the beginning. So things that are lying to you, that are destroying from you, that are killing from you, 
wake up to this fact. That is the enemy, the devil, the enemy of your souls is doing this, not flesh and blood that you can see. And then lastly, be still kill and destroy. Things that are destroying from your life, maybe your finances are being destroyed, your relationships are being destroyed, your, your job prospects are being destroyed. Wake up to the fact that it's not flesh and blood doing this to you, man. It is the enemy of your soul that's doing this. And then wake up to this fact also, that it is Jesus that came to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. That abundant life is abundance in every area, in your relationships, not only with God, but your relationship with each other, with your family, with your spouse, with your mom, with your dad. Abundance in your finances, abundance in your health, abundance in your jobs, abundance in your schooling, your education. Jesus came to give you all those things. Wake up to that and then begin to live a happy life. Begin to live a life that's fulfilled. So you live the life being a conqueror and not being a victim because you identify not with who you are in the flesh, but who God has made you in the spirit through the sacrificial death of his son, Jesus. So wake up and be woke to that. And I think you transform the world that we're all sitting around complaining about. So uh, headed on into our next question. Hopefully that answered a few things for you. I believe that it would uh, at least give you something to uh, something to think about. Let's go and move on into our next uh, question here. Uh, this was given to me um, asking someone was asking to help me to understand Thanksgiving uh, because they have heard me mention something about that before. Uh, and uh, we all know Thanksgiving's coming up in just a couple of weeks time. And as Thanksgiving is um, is coming up, uh, I think it's an appropriate time to answer this uh, this question. Uh, and uh, I think I'm going to spend a little bit of time with with this question on the other side of the break because I like to kind of tell some of the history that's involved in making this happen. But let me go ahead and give you the kind of the kind of the um, the bottom line here: the Thanksgiving that we celebrate is actually the the feast, one of the feasts of the Lord. There are seven feasts of the Lord. Uh, we know them today as the people call them Jewish feasts, but they're not. They're the feast of the Lord. And the feast of Passover, our pa- I'm sorry, Passover, our pen. <laughs> I'm going to run through all seven of them. Our Thanksgiving celebration is, in fact, the feast of Tabernacles, uh, or in Hebrew they say Sukkot. It's the feast of Tabernacles, and it was celebrated in the same vein and the same line as that. I can break that down. I can unpack that for you a little bit more when we get on the other side, because I like kind of t- like to tell you kind of how we got from um, Europe over to the U.S. and how we kind of brought that. Uh, that stuff along uh, along with us. So until we get to that point, let me just remind everybody once again that we need to uh, we need to remember that Jesus is the answer. He is the one who makes the way. He is the one who we wake up to. He's the one who is the answer for all that we need to be aware of. Big shout out once again to Dave Ellswick to thank him for uh, for allowing me to be sitting here in the uh, studio. A big thanks to J- to Zach. He's uh, taking care of us for this first uh, this first half hour. Remind everybody to keep warm out there. The wind's coming at seven miles from the north, so to stay warm. It might be 30 degrees, but it might be feeling more like it's about 23. So I encourage everybody to remember this. If God's going to be for us, and we know that God is for all of us who name his name, then nothing can be against us. We see you on the other side of the break. Enjoy the news and make sure that you turn back on this, turn back into the channel here and hear what we're saying on the next side. All right, we're back at you. This is Dr. Scott Stewart sitting in for Dave tonight. Also, this is the Bible Guys segment, but uh, being absent or from the studio today is uh, Billy Miller and Steve Hess. Therefore, I am all alone making this the Bible Guy segment. I uh, appreciate a phone call here if you'd like to um, chat. It's just me and Zach here in the studio today. 
Telephone number is 8230965. I want to encourage everybody to uh, stay warm uh, this evening. We already have about 30 degrees. Apparently, it's going to be getting down to about um, 19 degrees this evening, so we're into the teens. Uh, a little bit on the early side for us, and uh, I think that we'll be able to understand that a little bit. I'm sorry, my phone went off, and uh, that's just kind of a, uh, well, I'm not, I've never hosted a show before, so I didn't know to turn my phone off, but now my phone is going off. So there we go. So the telemarketers can't call me anymore. All right. So uh, back into our uh, our questions. We had several questions that have come into us uh, uh, via uh, email, and we're going to jump into the one we left off with last hour. We were talking about Thanksgiving. The question was about Thanksgiving. It's coming up in a couple of weeks and uh, why we do that, where it came from. Um, someone apparently has heard me mention before that uh, the Feast of um, Tabernacles is, in fact, our uh, Thanksgiving. And that's true. Let me explain this to you. Most of the time when we think about the pilgrims coming to America, uh, we see them, they arrive in America, and they're about to starve and die, and the Indians came in and helped them, and they had a big feast to celebrate. Uh, they made it through the first winter and so forth. Uh, but there's a little bit more to the story than that. Uh, and uh, the truth of the matter is we, the, the, we, that is the pilgrims, did not come straight from the U.K. They left the U.K. and they went to Denmark. Uh, I'm sorry, to Holland. And uh, in Holland, they lived in an area of the city and lived in the area called the Jewish section, Jewish quarter, uh, for about 10 years. So they didn't go straight from the U.K. to the New World. They went from the U.K. to Holland, and they lived in the Jewish community for a decade. And so we leave um, from Holland, headed over to the New World. And as they're on the, way, on the way over here, they now have lived for 10 years with the Jewish community, which means what? Now, their believers are Christians, but what have they been doing for the past 10 years? They've been celebrating all the Jewish feasts. They've been learning the, the different things related to the Jewish or the Hebrew root of the Christian faith. Um, as a matter of fact, you might not know this, but on the way over, uh, they, were to, they took a vote to decide what language are we going to speak in the new world. Now, the fact that I'm speaking English to you today, you know that English won the vote. But you may not know this, that English only won the vote by one vote. There was two languages that were put up for an option, and English won by one vote. And the two languages that were put up for option were this, either we're going to speak English or we're going to speak Hebrew. And English won by only one vote. So think about that. The people who came over here were so Hebraically minded that Hebrew was put up as a possible optional language for the nation. That was in 1620. Then fast forward in time, and now I believe it's about um, it's about uh, uh, ten years after the revolution. Uh, so about uh, the 1780s, 1790s, and what happens in the newly formed American government? The House of Congress submits a bill suggesting once again that we decide on the national language, and once again. There was a whole party saying Hebrew should be the language of the American country, of the American nation. And once again, it was defeated. But the point is that this Hebraic mindset was firmly ensconced in the founders of our country. And why would that be? Because they had discovered the Judaic root of our faith. Uh, Also, just a a little quick um, aside here. Um, You may not think about this. You may have never thought about this. But do you know that the Americans... We're, we're some of the only circumcised people in the world. Men are those, some of the only circumcised people in the world outside of the Middle East. Now, why would that be? My, I had, I had, a, I had um, a son who was born in Finland. And when he was born in Finland, all of a sudden I realized I can't get him circumcised anywhere. 
and uh, we went from country to country to country to country looking, and no one would do that. I was actually thinking I might have to come back to the States t- to get that done. And uh, now for us today, it's a cultural thing, um, but um, but at the end of the day, there's a reason why we do it. And once again, it's that Hebraic root. Long story short, I actually had to have a rabbi from the uh, synagogue in Helsinki circumcise my son because the medical system wouldn't do it in Europe. So I'm saying all that to say this, there's a Hebraic root there. And so when the pilgrims made their way to the U.S., they made their way here, and what they did at the feast, or at uh, the time of uh, September, which is when they actually had it at first, was in September, and ironically, that's when you celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And not only that, but according to the records that they were writing, they went out and they hunted food to last them for about seven days. The original feast was seven days? Yes. Why? Because the Feast of Tabernacles is a seven-day feast. You hold the Feast of Tabernacles outside, where did the pilgrims hold their seven-day feast? Outside. You invite people over to attend and, and party with you. And what did they do, the pilgrims? They invited the Indians to celebrate with them. All the things related to the first Thanksgiving are hallmarked in the Feast of Tabernacles. And so what happened eventually, of course, Abraham Lincoln declared it to be a national holiday in the month of November for one day. But originally, the foundation of what we did related to Thanksgiving is the Feast of Tabernacles. And what do you do at Tabernacles? You thank the Lord for his presence and that his goodness and his mercy endures forever. So Thanksgiving comes straight out of what you do in Sukkot or in Tabernacles. You thank the Lord for his goodness and his mercy. And they say this in, over and over again. And every time they gather together, gather together they say, Hodu le-yawe kitov ke le-olam chazdo, For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. This is repeated all the time during the Feast of Tabernacles. And it is, in fact, the basis, the foundation of our Thanksgiving celebration. So don't ever forget that. Hopefully that answered your question related to why we uh, celebrate Thanksgiving the way that we the way that we do. All right, we'll keep on moving on. If we don't have any other questions, we'll keep on moving on to the next question here. And the one I have written down here, this is actually come to me as a in-house question from Zach. And Zach wanted me to take a few moments and talk to you about uh, this thing that we find happening in the Bible uh, related to the prophet Elijah, and that is this thing called the ravens. Many of you might remember the story uh, where First Kings, where Elijah is a prophet, a man of God, and he's on the run and he's needing some sustenance. The Bible says that he goes to the the brook Cherith. He goes to finds a stream of water, and the Bible God says, and I've commanded the ravens to feed you there. And so he goes there, and the ravens do indeed feed him. And the ravens continue to feed him daily until the brook dries up. And when the brook dries up, the Bible says that God sends him then onto a widow woman's house, and then the widow woman takes care of him. So the question then is, um, what, what about these ravens? Did God command birds to continually bring food to the man every single day? Is that what they were doing? Are you going to say something to me, Zach? Well, I mean, because, hey, we're talking about God here. Yeah. You know. And God can do anything, right? Yes. And so if God can do anything, then God can make anything happen. But I would suggest this to you. God can make anything happen. And what God did was God limited himself to his word. For example, um, we all know that God has said, I will not flood the earth anymore. Now, God can, he has the ability, but he has limited what he will do based upon his promise, based upon his word. So because he said he won't do it again, we know for sure God will not flood the earth. So 
when God tells us to do something, he doesn't then give him the right to violate his own word. So he limits himself to his word. You want to say something again, Zach? That's very interesting. That means he's committed to his word. That's right. And the scripture tells us this. It says, the Lord said, put me in remembrance of my word. So God wants us to put him in remembrance of his word. And he could be, why? Because the Bible says, he, he said, he watches over his word to perform it. So God has committed himself to his word. And if you allow yourself to think a little bit further, over in the New Testament, the Bible says that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus was the manifestation of that word. So every word that God uttered, God upholds and God honors because he and his word are one. And so therefore he is bound to his word and he holds himself to his word. So what God has committed in his word, he keeps. He doesn't tell us one thing and then he goes about and does something else. He keeps to it. So what does that have to do with the ravens? Are we about ready for a break? No. What does that have to do with the ravens? I'll tell you. The ravens, the Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, it gives us a list of the uh, unclean animals. And interesting, it gives a whole section on the unclean birds. And one bird you find there is you find the ravens mentioned as unclean birds. Now, this presents a problem. Because if God is commanding the ravens to go and to gather meat from people's tables and bring them to the man of God, you've got a couple of things going on there. Uh, The main thing is, of course, you have an unclean animal touching a clean piece of meat. And if the unclean animal touches the clean piece of meat, that, that unclean animal defiles the piece of meat which means now the man of God can't eat it even if it was, was brought to him because eating the unclean thing would actually put him in sin, and sin is separation from God, which means the man of God is more separated from God than he was before. You say, just the bird touching the meat makes it unclean? Sure. Just think about this. They used to, remember the statement Jesus made when he called the, the Pharisees, he called them whitewashed tombs. What would happen is they used to, there's a group of people who used to go around and they would put whitewash or like white paint on uh, gravestones. And a lot of times gravestones are just like a, a rock in the ground, like a, a marker. And they would do this before feast days, because when the Jewish people were migrating in to celebrate the feast in Jerusalem, they would need to know where all the graves were at. Because if they stepped on top of a grave, bam, they became unclean. Now that body is six feet under the earth, but just stepping on the grave itself made them unclean. They had to go back and become ritually pure before they could go in. So yes, if a bird touches, an unclean bird touches a piece of meat, that meat is no longer fit for human consumption. So an unclean bird, i.e. a raven, cannot touch a piece of meat because if he does, it becomes unclean. So if he takes it to the man of God, the man of God is going to see this unclean bird bringing a piece of meat, dropping it down, and the man of God will not eat it because he knows if I eat it, I'm in violation of the scripture. That's unclean. I can't eat. So therefore, he backs away from it. It does no good for the man of God because he can't eat the, the food that the ravens brought unless... The ravens the Bible's talking about are not actually birds. Is it possible the ravens were something else other than birds? Well, they would have to be, now wouldn't they? And of course, the answer is yes. You see, the land of Israel will interpret the scripture for you if you will just listen to it. And that's what happens. Um, and there is a, th- this phrase, idi- this phrase raven is, is known as a colloquial phrase. It's an idiom. Even to this day, there is a group in Israel called ravens, and they're not birds. That's right. They're not birds. Well, what is this group 
in Israel called ravens that are not birds. It's a group of people they call the Bedouins. And they call the Bedouins ravens for a very simple reason, and that is that they look like them. You can be driving in Israel along a river or on a mountain ridge, and there'll be a Bedouin village below you. And when you look down at it, it looks like a flock of ravens on the ground. Why? Because all their tents are black. And if you're on a high ridge, you're looking at it like little bee spots all over the ground of black, like a flock of ravens. And then when you see the women, it's even more uh, convincing because the women dress in black from head to toe. Sometimes they wear like a gold uh, face. Um, and they normally have a veil, but then they have like a, it's like a gold piece of jewelry that looks like and shaped like an upside down triangle. And if they look down towards the ground, it actually looks like a, like a yellow beak going down to the ground. But on top of that, they have a headdress called a Sousa that they attach to their forehead. It's like a piece of cardboard. And they wrap their hair around it, and they kind of oil up their hair. And so it's a beak they wear on their head. <laughs> so you've got these people that are colloquially or idiomatically called ravens because they dress in black from head to toe and wear a beak on their head. And so they're called ravens because of that. You know, we have idioms today. You know, the British people, they call us Yanks. And back in the day, we used to call the Brits limeys because they used to eat limes when they would travel across. So we have different words from different people. And some of our words are not that great for certain people groups. But in Israel, they had the same thing. And they called these people ravens and still do to this very day. So who was it who would have been bringing food to the prophet Elijah? It would have actually been the Bedouins who would have been there. And think about this. The Bible says that when the brook dried up, Elijah had to go somewhere else. Why? Think about it. Why would the brook, what would the brook drying up have to do with the ravens no longer feeding him? Quite simply, the ravens or the the Bedouins were sheep herders. They would bring their sheep to, or their sheep to the water for them to drink. But if the brook is dried up, the Bedouins aren't coming because there's no water for their sheep. So the brook drying up affected the ravens, which affected the man of God. On top of all of that, in Jerome's translation of the Bible, it's called the Vulgate, his translation of the Bible, when it comes to that particular story, in the footnote he writes there, and he identifies the ravens as a people who were originally from a city called Urbu, which is not too terribly far away. So he def- identifies them as people who were living in the region, who would then nomadically take their sheep out for however many months at a time before going back to their their main city. Nothing in this story testifies to the fact that they were actually ravens. And here's the really sad thing. We're trying to tell people, especially with the people within, within the Jewish community, we're trying to tell them we have the answer to everything, and that is the Messiah Jesus. And many people listen to us and say, if you don't even know that the ravens are people and not birds— then why should I listen to you when you try to tell me actually you identified who the Messiah is? We need to know what we know so people who will listen to us who really need to be hearing what we have to say. You got something to say, Zachary? It's crazy. It's crazy. It's just, it's just crazy. I mean, I, I, the way you, I mean, the way you explain it is, gosh. But the land will talk to you if you just listen to it. Yeah. And, and idiomatic, there are idioms all through the Bible that we have made doctrines off of. We have preached sermons off of, sermon series, and the Bible, and it doesn't mean half of what we think it means sometimes. So it's better to put yourself back in the culture, back in the history, back in the language, back in the land so that you can understand the book. I used to say this all the time to people. I would say, if we have given our whole life, our whole life to study one book, shouldn't we do everything in our power to understand that book correctly? 
And that answer would be yes. And that means that total immersion into the first century world of the Messiah Jesus. Everybody, this is uh, 101.1. I'm sitting in for Dave Ellswick. We'll be right back after these messages. All right, we are back again. This is Dr. Scott Stewart coming to you. Dave is not in the studio tonight, and neither are the other two Bible guys. Uh, Steve Hess and Billy Miller are not with me this evening, making this show officially the Bible Guy segment. And the Bible Guy has been in here by himself uh, in this room um, and in the other room sitting across from me. We have Zach here who is producing and running this ship and keeping everything uh, running tightly and uh, keeping the nuts and bolts on so the wheels don't fall off. And seeing how we only have about six minutes left, I think we're, we're pretty close to being home free. And uh, we're just going to continue to uh, to let you know that uh, if you are um, looking for a, uh, a church home, maybe you're looking f- to find uh, a place to worship, maybe you already have a place, but if you don't have a place to worship, you know, the Bible says that uh, that uh, Jesus went out and he sought those sheep that were lost. If you're looking for a new place to go, I encourage you to give us a try. 701 Napa Valley Drive, that's in Little Rock, Arkansas. Service times are at uh, 7 o'clock on Wednesday night and 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. I encourage you to uh, encourage you to be with us. All right, well, let's go ahead and jump back in and continue the uh, rest of the hour as we finish off discussing the questions that have been sent in. We just finished talking about the ravens and what the ravens actually are, and we, we've looked at this uh, linguistically. We also looked at this uh, scripturally. We looked at it uh, culturally as well, and uh, we can find that uh, the ravens were in fact a group of people called the Bedouins. Uh, it certainly helps when you see it with your own eyes. So I encourage everybody to. Take a trip to Israel sometime and let the land uh, talk to you. With that in mind, to go ahead and give you another story uh, that uh, kind of illustrates this. Uh, back when I was 18 years old, so I was a young pup uh, making my first trip to the land of Israel, and I'm s- listening to a tour guide um, tell us about the location that we were at. And he's looking for a little shade, so he's standing under a, a very leafy green tree. I noticed that this green tree had some small fruit on it. it kind of looked like uh like a little pod bean pod or something like that and it was uh kind of yellow in color and uh once he finished talking he he ended the, his uh his comments he's about to walk away and i asked a question i said what is that uh in the tree and he looked up and he said oh that's a that's a fruit uh he said uh, we call it locust and i said um you call it locust he said yes it's locust he said this tree is called the saint john's tree now this is get this. This is an Israeli saying that this tree is called the Saint John's tree, and the fruit that's on the tree is called locust. Now, when I heard that, automatically my mind runs back to me being in Sunday school as a little kid, hearing being hearing people teaching me, and even seeing cartoon drawings of John the Baptist uh, eating a grasshopper, which we we would call a locust, right? Yet here I am in the land, and the man is telling me that this tree is called the St. John's tree. That's St. John the Baptist tree, and the fruit that's on it is locust. And he said it tastes kind of like chocolate. It's like a carob bean that's on the inside with what they make chocolate out of. So I thought, so, so John more than likely was eating fruit and not eating a grasshopper? And they're like, yes, that's that's what he would have been eating. These trees are all over uh, the desert, so he'd have been eating the fruit off of this tree, and so John was not some necessarily some bug eating prophet, but he was a prophet with a sweet tooth. He was drinking honey and eating a candy bar off of the Saint, <laughs> off the tree named after himself. And I thought, you know what? If this, and I stumbled across it accidentally. If this one tree 
all of a sudden changes a view of of evangelicalism where we actually present John John as a bug eater, what else might change in what we believe if we just allow the Bible to be dropped back in its original culture, climate, and geography? And what might I learn differently if I'm allowed to let John be who he is? Is that it? Are we done? You are. I'm just listening to you. I mean, it's like, you know, basically you just allow the Bible to speak to you. Allow it to speak. Allow it to, the Bible to be the Bible. Put it Don't back. Don't think too hard. Don't make it American. Let it be uh, an Israeli or Israelite, and it'll talk to you and make a lot of sense. Thank you, everybody, for being with us. This is Dr. Scott Stewart sitting in for Dave Elzik, 101.1 The Answer. We'll see you next Tuesday at 5 o'clock. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.